Our reading this morning is from the book of 1 Peter, uh, chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. And the section is titled, Good Stewards of God's Grace. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same intention. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has finished with sin. So as to live for the rest of your earthly life, no longer by human desires, but by the will of God. You have already spent enough time in doing what the Gentiles like to do living in licentiousness, passions, drunkenness, revels, carousing, and lawless idolatry. They are surprised that you no longer join them in the same excesses of dissipation, and so they blaspheme. But they will have to give an accounting to him who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the same reason the gospel was proclaimed even to the dead, so that though they had been judged in the flesh as everyone John is judged, they might live in the spirit as God does. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be serious and discipline yourselves for the sake of your prayers. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies, so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. The people that 1 Peter's letter is particularly speaking to uh, live in a society that probably looks quite different to our society. Uh, the public drunkenness, the orgies, the everything was commonplace. Wait, 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 that is our society, isn't it? It's just that we're isolated from it. Uh, I don't go to those places. I don't hang out in those places. And I don't see those things. But uh, the reality for their society was uh, the nightlife that, that we see around uh, Melbourne. And that's not the norm for us necessarily. Uh, so when Peter speaks to them and he, and he talks about suffering that they're experiencing for being different to the world. Uh, the difference was quite contrasted. Suddenly they weren't going to the parties, participating in the love feast. Suddenly they weren't part of the organic mechanism of society that they were previously a part of. And so for a people that were living as everyone else lived, to suddenly be living differently was a massive change for the uh, for the people around them and as a result of this massive change they would persecute these Christians and challenge them why, why are you living that way why are you living for those things uh, but 
we don't necessarily experience the same kind of suffering. Um, maybe that is because we're at one level, same, same, but different. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard this phrase before. It's a, it's a phrase from Southeast Asia, and, and you'll go to a market and you'll be looking for a watch, and he'll show you the watch, and uh, it'll look like a Rolex, except one letter in the name will be <laughs> changed slightly. And you'll say, oh, is that a Rolex? You'll say, same, same, but different. <laughs> and and the, the phrase is like, a, it's a real fake. It looks same, same, but it's different. And I, I wonder whether looking at us as Christians, uh, we're too much like a real fake. Uh, we, we try and be like the world, and yet we're not a good representative. There's maybe a couple of letters that are changed, but we're same, same, but different and the Lord's calling us as a people to be distinctive that is for us as a people the people of God to live a surprising life such that when people look at us as believers in Jesus they will go why are you living that way why are you different what what are the reasons that you prioritize these things uh, some of the ways that that plays out uh, sex, money, uh, the way we use power, the way that we use time. Uh, with sex, I've had the comment made to me, why didn't you try before you bought? Uh, why didn't you embrace the, the cultural uh, move in with someone, uh, have sex with them, live with them before you marry them? Well, because I felt like that is what God says in his word for me to live according to that. And so I lived out holiness in that way. Uh, maybe in money. Why do you give towards the church? The church doesn't need any more money, do they? They're, they've got enough money. They've got enough property. Uh, why, why do you give towards God's work? Uh, why do you not just spend your money on, on yourself? Uh, why do you make those choices with your money? Why do you invest your time in that way? Surely there's better things that you could be doing with your time than uh, hanging out with those People and so the people that we choose to hang around with can be surprising to non-Christians because we choose to love those that others wouldn't otherwise love. We choose to spend time with the, the lost, the broken, the hurting, and we invite them in. We're hospitable towards them. And so that is living a surprising life to unbelievers. There's, there's many ways in which we are called to live that are surprising to other people, only I think the challenge is we try and live out this same, same but different. We, we like to be like the people that we're surrounded by. It feels nice to be part of the crowd, doesn't it? But God's actually calling us as the people of God to stand out for the, for, from the crowd, not for doing the wrong things, but for actually doing good for the, the sake of other people, for doing good for the sake of the extension of God's kingdom. So are we living a surprising life? Uh, what 1 Peter looks at in this passage is he looks at us living out the cost now in order to reap the reward in the future. The culture we live in now is reap the reward now, pay later. Uh, there's no accident that after pay has skyrocketed after it's uh, coming into our payment system. It's everywhere. 
You can buy your product. Uh, you may not have been able to get a credit card somewhere else, but you can buy your product, you can get Afterpay, and then you can pay for that product later. And so you'll talk to young people that are working and they're working to pay off their Afterpay because they've bought the, the shoes, the clothes, the everything to look like everyone else is looking, but they reap the cost later. As Christians, we're called to live in such a way that we live a costly life now where we reap the cost now of living holy lives for Jesus and receive the reward later. So we choose to suffer now in order to reap the reward later. Sin always seems like a good option in the moment. As I said a few weeks ago, if you're, if you're not enjoying sin, you're doing something wrong. Sin always generates short-term satisfaction, but long-term cost is the product of pursuing sin. Long-term cost is the product of pursuing sin. And so Peter is able to say to us, the one who suffers is done with sin. Because the one who suffers, the one who's willing to endure hardship now, is at one level able to say, I can resist the temptation towards sin because I'm willing to not give my body, my flesh, my heart exactly what it wants now. I'm willing to pursue a harder path now in order to reap a reward later. Now, for us as Christians, eternal rewards don't just start uh, when we enter uh, heaven. You see, we enter eternity as we enter relationship with God through Jesus. And as we enter relationship with God, we begin to reap the rewards of eternity now. And so our reward actually comes through relationship with God. As we pursue that relationship at the cost of pursuing our relationship with things such as money, uh, people in ways that are ungodly, we can reap the reward of relationship with God now. So as much as we uh, suffer from not giving ourselves what we want now, we are rewarded with the comfort that comes from relationship with God now. So the one who suffers... Uh, the one who sees that even in suffering, God is present. The one who suffers is able to be done with sin because they realize there's greater pleasure to be found in relationship with God. And so the one who suffers, who is, is done with sin, has actually a, not just a, a long-term perspective, but a better perspective on pleasure. That true pleasure is found in knowing God. That true pleasure is found in knowing God's path. You see, God doesn't just give us this uh, word of comfort when we enter heaven. Well done, good and faithful servant. The encouragement of God continually as we live out this Christian life is well done, good and faithful servant. As you choose to not do what you feel like doing, well done, good and faithful servant. As you choose to live the cost of pursuing relationship with people that are difficult in order to love them and express God's love, well done, good and faithful servant. As you use your money not to serve yourself but to serve others, well done, 
good and faithful servant. And so this isn't just something that we receive in eternity. The fullness of the reward that we receive is in eternity, but the reward now comes in relationship as God's Spirit pours love into our hearts and reminds us, well done, good and faithful servant. And as we suffer, uh, we look to the example of Jesus. Uh, We look to even the example of Jesus in Gethsemane as he shed tears of blood. The resistance, the the stress was so great that drops of blood uh, came from him. And then he went and shed his blood on the cross. And so scripture is able to say to us, well, you have not yet resisted to the point of the shedding of blood. And so the challenge for us when we think of suffering and even the short-term suffering of not choosing what we want to choose in a moment, we need to look to Jesus and know that uh, for Jesus, he resisted even to death. And so the calling for us is to go, well, actually, my suffering in comparison to what Jesus suffered is light and momentary, but it doesn't feel light, does it? It doesn't feel light, but God's Spirit empowers us to bear the cost now in order that we will reap the reward in the future. Now, there's a, there's a tricky verse in here. Uh, verse 6 uh, looks at how Jesus uh, preached to the dead, <laughs> and now they're enjoying life with him in, in the Spirit. Uh, What does it mean by that? Uh, One of the interpretations of that that I find uh, really helpful is that the people uh, surrounding uh, the the Christians that 1 Peter writes to are questioning, well, did it do them any good? They're now dead. Did it do them any good? They don't have sight beyond this world to to see what's going on with them. They lived a costly life. Maybe they died as a martyr Uh, trying to live for God as they follow Jesus, did it do them any good? And so Peter's saying, well, well, actually, they heard the good news of the gospel and their spirit is very much alive with Jesus now. They have reaped the reward in full of living this life now. And so it's a challenge to us uh, to look beyond this life for the reward that we will receive. It's a challenge in our cost later, reward now society. It's a challenge for us to look beyond that and to live differently. For us to live a surprising life is for us to be willing to bear costs now for the sake of others as we serve others. Be willing to bear costs now to serve parents, family members, extended family members, those who don't even have any relation to us because we're following the flow of God's love in us to extend it towards others. Now, as Christians, we can be found to say this. (laughs) Uh, Look at those heathens. Look at the way they live. Look at those kids out at the nightclubs getting drunk. Look at those people uh, engaged in orgies. Look at the politicians. Look at what they're living for. Look at how they're spending their money. Don't they realize it's... Uh, all debase, valueless. And as Christians, we can look at those who are not Christian and be judgmental. And so 1 Peter is encouraging us here, actually, that's not the position that you are called to hold. 
Uh, if you want to follow along with me in, in your Bible, you can, you can see what 1 Peter says. He says, uh, Well, they're surprised, but they will have to give an accounting to him who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. Who judges the living and the dead? God judges the living and the dead. We're as believers called to call each other to account because we have relationship with each other. But if you don't have a relationship with someone and they don't have a relationship with God, you can't actually expect them to live by the standards that God gives us because they don't sit in relationship with God. And you may paint a different picture of the way of living and you may say it's costly to live this way now, but when we speak in judgmental ways towards unbelievers, that's not part of our role as Christians. And so a lot of Christians will say they experience suffering because they go around preaching against people that are doing the wrong thing in their, their eyes. That's not what true suffering looks like. See, true suffering looks like us preaching the gospel, the good news of Jesus inviting people to relationship with Jesus and then coming to a point of re repentance as the Holy Spirit convicts them. But it's God's job to judge. And so when we're judgmental in the way that we express our Christian faith, we're not living out a life the way that God calls us to live. And so we leave the judgment up to God. Uh, there's a number of exhortations in your Bible that I'd love you to look at, uh, looking at verses 7 uh, through to 11. And so Peter says, the end of all things is near. And so he's saying, well, well, the end is near, therefore focus on these things. This is how you should live in mind of the end being near in order to live in a way that's surprising to those who don't follow Jesus. Uh, so verse 7 be serious and discipline yourselves for the sake of your prayers. I never wake up in the morning in my flesh and go, I really feel like praying. <laughs> I wake up and I feel like breakfast. I feel like coffee. Uh, I, I feel like going back to sleep sometimes. Uh, not getting out of bed because it's warm in bed. <laughs> but Peter says, be serious. Be somber. Uh, discipline yourself because the person who disciplines themselves is done with sin the the person that is willing to suffer discomfort now is done with sin because we choose to give up discom uh, discomfort the the right to be comfortable we choose to give up the right to be comfortable in order to pursue what god says is good for us and so discipline yourselves when you order your life well uh, when you choose to get up early uh, what that enables you to do is then continue to make a choice of doing something that can be hard or the enemy doesn't want you to do like investing in prayer I, i've heard some people uh, use this daily routine and i won't follow it but you can if you want uh, they get up early and they have a shower and the shower that they have is a hundred percent cold because <laughs> they like to start their day with a decision uh, that is to endure something painful. <laughs> I'm not recommending that. But I, I know when I, I choose to uh, fast from something, 
choose to not say yes to what my body desires, whether it be food or something else, that discipline enables me to then make the right choices more easily because I'm not just driven by the desires within. And, and so be serious, discipline yourself. And as you choose a path of discipline, uh, you're also about to choose the path of God. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. So not to be judgmental, but maintain constant love. Uh, love takes work. Uh, it takes work to think well of people. And so do the work of maintaining constant love for one another because love will actually restore relationship when it's broken as a result of sin. So pursue the way of love. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. That is, look for opportunity to invite uh, people over. And even if the people that you invite over don't help clean up or they don't bring anything or they're difficult to be hospitable to, <laughs> be hospitable without complaining. That's, that's surprising. Uh, why would you have that person over to dinner at your place? Uh, well, I want to love them. <laughs> uh, but they do the wrong thing by you, but love covers a multitude of sin. And so it's a challenge for us, isn't it? Uh, like Verse 10, like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever a gift each of you has received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies so that God may be glorified in all things. So each of us have gifts. Uh, one is a, a gift uh, to serve another in, in one way that's up front. Another has a gift to serve behind the scenes. But each of us is called to use these gifts. Each of us is called to use these gifts. There, there are imperatives, commands to us like be hospitable. Uh, that's a command to everyone. Uh, you don't have to have the gift of hospitality to be hospitable uh, to people. And so that's a challenge for someone that might feel more introverted. Uh, be hospitable. That's a calling of all Christians, uh, particularly those who are leaders. But then serve one another with the gifts that you have. Uh, I'm so thankful for the many people that serve our church and bless our church with their gifts. Our, our church is small and it wouldn't run the way it runs without the gifts of many contributing. Uh, we wouldn't be running this morning without the specific gifts of different people working together. And so we're thankful for gifts, but there's five people here. <laughs> there's 80 plus people uh, at least that are directly connected regularly connected to our church what would it look like if we all used our gifts to serve others older young able or not so able used as we are able to serve others for the sake of God's kingdom that's the way that we're called to live and that's surprising that everyone will be contributing in such a way and serve with the strength of God. What, what does that mean? Don't just serve out of your own strength. Actually, you need to go back to be serious and discipline yourself so that it won't hinder your prayer. That is, prayer is the starting point of service. 
And it's also the point that enables us to continue. And when we speak to each other, not just when I speak from the front, I seek, seek to speak representing God. When we speak to each other, speak as one who is representing God. That is, I am a messenger, you're a messenger from God. And so our words should contain message of love from God. And so two identity declarations uh, come out of this passage for me. Uh, and I, I just wanted to keep them simple this week. Uh, I'm finished with sin. I, I'm willing to choose a life of giving up in order to give my life to God so I will live to glorify God. And so in, in your lounge room, behind your computer, wherever you are, if you're comfortable making these declarations, let's speak them out now. I'm finished with sin. I will live to glorify God. 